Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne of grace that we might find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And there's never a time that we don't need you, Lord. Sometimes we're not aware of it. Sometimes we are. But we thank you for mercy and for grace to help us. So we honor you and we love you today. We lift you up and magnify you. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. So today we're going to talk about the fact that I am healed because I believe these things. Amen. I am healed because I believe these things. You must believe God's word in order to get healed. You can't believe a slogan. You can't believe a um, caricature. You can't believe somebody else's uh, slick sounding words or wise sounding words or whatever. You must believe the word of God. You must pick that word up for yourself. You have to meditate on that word. You have to embrace it as it is written. Amen. Uh, when Jesus fought Satan, what did he tell him? It is written. He didn't give him a paraphrase. He didn't give him a slogan. He didn't give him a bumper sticker or a t-shirt. He said, it is written. And when you fight the enemy, you're serious about it. You fight him with it is written. Amen. You gotta find it in the word for yourself. Now I, I listen to a lot of teachers. Amen. Cause I'm a teacher myself and I enjoy teaching, but I also get it from the word. I'm not just gonna live off of books and tapes of other people and not have the word of God as my foundation. That word, when you go into the word, that is your relationship with God being restored. That makes God real to you. Amen. It makes him real and personal to you. And without him becoming real and personal to you, there is no uh, receiving. It's you, you. It's not like you're receiving secondhand what somebody else says is yours. This is upfront and personal. And when you take the time to journey with God in His Word, He always shows you new things. He will He will show you things to come. He will show you things that you great and mighty things that you don't know. Amen. There's always more to know in God. Amen. Uh, you know we can have some scriptures memorized. We can even have have some favorite ones we can have we can have some ones that we got famous off of preaching you know what i'm saying but that this this relationship that we get with god when we go through the word and find the recorded things uh what's recorded in god's word amen uh and and rehearse that in our ears um God instructed Israel to do that. He said, every generation, he said, get your kids out, read these stories, rehearse these stories in their ears. When they would meet before the priest, the priest would read the word to them, and they would rehearse that in the ears of their their households. Amen? Even the enemy rehearses. Remember when... um, uh, Joshua, now this was 40 years after Moses had, had, God had told Moses to go up and take the land, the promised land, that, that the land that he had promised them. And 40 years later, the enemy remembers and is scared of their God. And when they went to Jericho, what did Rahab tell them? She she blabbed everything because she knew everybody's business. 
y'all better wake up around here because I promise you, I will go across the street. I go, who is that little lady over there that's always running from us? Kathy. I go to Kathy House and make her come out and listen to me preach. Amen. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. See, the enemy has a longer memory for God's power sometimes than his people do. So, Because that's why we're supposed to rehearse these things in our ears. We'll get a symptom and forget the last time God healed us, amen, and go to pieces and carry on and act this and act that just because we got one symptom. When we should rehearse those things in our ears on a continual basis. What does that mean? That means read your word. That means speak it out loud to yourself. That means meditate on that word. That means feast on that word. Make that word a part of you every single day. Because the enemy is sure enough remembering it. After 40 years, the people of Jericho were scared of the the uh, Jews because Rahab told him, she said, we heard about the mighty things your God did bringing you out of Egypt. And Joshua's going to Egypt. No, wait a minute. Let me think. When was I in Egypt? He said, oh, yeah. Girl, that's been so long ago. Yeah. But the devil remembers. We should have such a good memory. Amen. And so the children of Israel had to be brought into a new discipline so that they could understand that God was with them. Every generation has to understand the truth about God on their own. Your children cannot live off of your prayers forever. They can't live off of your faith forever. They can't live off of your understanding. Now, they can come into agreement with you for certain things, but after a while, they've got to pull their weight in the things of God. And sooner, better than later. Amen? When they're small and cute and everything, you need to be rehearsing the Word of God to them. Get them aside and give them some scriptures. I remember the uh, Crouches, Paul and Jan Crouch. Now, now, I mean, this is this is not spiritual, you know. But they've got a daughter-in-law, the one who who's running the place now with her husband. Which one is that? Matt was the oldest brother, wasn't he? The one that left. Who's that couple that's running stuff there now at TBN? It's uh, Lori is her name. And, you know, and she would get up there and say some of the most silly sound. I mean, she's a blonde and she looks ditzy. So I'm just going to confess that right now. You understand what I'm saying? Cute girl. But you look at her and some of that she would make her comments when they be interviewing people. You go, huh? Where'd she get that from? But she brought her little boy out there one time and she told him, she said, and Paul and Jan were still alive then, and so she said, um, you want to say your scripture for grandma and grandpa? And he said, yeah, and he was saying the scripture, and you could see her mouthing them with her, where she had taken the time to teach her children the word. And I'm thinking, well, Lord, let me let me repent right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let me take that attitude that I have about her back. Huh? Let me straighten myself up here and understand that this lady is doing what you commanded her to do. She's on the job. Amen. Teaching her children a word, rehearsing that word in their ears so that they know the word of God. Amen. And so this is what we're commanded to do. We're not to let a generation slip by. 
You know, you're, you're not to be satisfied with just your salvation. You're to have a hunger to see other people come in, and that's your family members, and a hunger to see them strong in the Lord. Amen? Not just, you know, academically. You know, we all get carried away with that kind of stuff. You got me? They're smart in school. They're straight-A students. They do this well. They do that well. But do they do God well? Because, see, God is who's going to carry them through. He's their inheritance, and they are his inheritance. Those kids belong to God. They don't really belong to you. They belong to you as far as is being responsible and being the one that God is holding accountable to make sure you train them up in the right way, and that's the way of God. And so really, when when you understand that the word of God is is your... It is your, your life. It's your breath. It's your everything. It's, it's what you depend on and what you rely on. Then you will start to get more, um, diligent about it. Go grab it first before you grab anything else. Be totally in love with God's word. Let that be your time of fellowship with the Lord where you just sit there and you nothing else to do nobody rushing you nothing coming up nothing else on your mind this is just the time that you're going to spend with you and God in meditation and in understanding when you get understanding you've got what God wants you to have and so continue to get understanding amen and all you're getting get understanding don't let a scripture go by and, and you're puzzled by it and you don't that puzzle is God telling you to pause and telling you to stop and telling you to come aside with me so I can show you what's going on here amen and see we love those rich times with God that we need to have them more often amen we really do need to have them more often and live for those rich times because your life can be rich in God just by coming away within yourself and meditating in God. You don't have to make a big deal out of it and, and you know, go get, get your quiet time and all these big productions people make about things. He lives in you. You can get quiet anytime within yourself and hear God talk to you. Amen? And so we, we need to spend more time with looking at ourselves as a sanctuary of God. Amen? Looking at ourselves as a dwelling place of God. He lives here. He owns this, you know, whatever we call the tent that we live in. <laughs> he owns this. Whatever, you know, and, and just let him begin to glorify and beautify the place of his dwelling in your heart. So I am healed because I believe these things. Isaiah 53, we know this scripture very well, very well. 53, let's start in verse 3. It says, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. But surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken of stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for what? Our transgressions. He was bruised for our, yes, not his own, the chastisement of 
our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. Now, if you think you don't need that, look at verse 6. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. Amen. It's our going astray that causes us to need the atonement. We have turned everyone to his own way. And God, in his mercy, in his foreknowledge, in his divine providence, laid on his son the iniquity of all of us. So all iniquity has been levied upon Jesus. Amen. So I am healed because I believe his stripes took that for me. Amen. I deserve punishment because I, just like everybody else, have gone astray. Turn to your own way. Amen. That says nothing about being a rotten person. Being, You know, the Lord puts it as mildly as he can so that you can receive it. But this going astray means that you've been led somewhere out of the will of God. And that makes it sin. The fact that you are not in the will of God makes it sin. You have transgressed his law. And so everybody needs him to take sin, sickness, and punishment away because that's what we deserve for going astray. Amen? That's that's the penalty you draw from breaking God's law. And so it says here, by his stripes... I am healed. Amen. And in, even in Isaiah's day, this was trying to think how many, maybe a thousand years before Jesus went to the cross. It says we are healed. Amen. It was an active, ongoing, um, uh, activity being healed by Jesus. They were healed um, back in the old covenant, way back when they first came out of Egypt, they were healed in Egypt. Amen. Remember the Passover? That was the first mass healing that Jesus, uh, that God performed. And then when they were in the wilderness, they were healed. Amen. There was no sickness in Goshen. They lived in a, a separate dwelling place where there was no poverty, there was no sickness, there was no plague. They lived well while the, while the Egyptians suffered the curse. That's why Jesus said, none of the diseases that I caused to be brought upon the Egyptians will I cause to be brought on you. See, the Israelite was familiar with disease because they saw people who were sick, not because they were. Huh? They saw people that were sick. He didn't say, none of the diseases that I put on you when you were in Egypt. He said, none of the diseases that I put on them will I put on you. I have a covenant of healing with you from the foundation of the earth. Amen. So Calvary established it for all believers with a system of faith and belief that we could rely on so that we could walk in divine health forever. There were people sporadically who walked in divine health. Look at uh, Noah, walked in divine health. There was nobody sick in that ark. There was nobody sick getting in that ark. Amen. Because Noah was a righteous man. Righteous people always walked in divine health. Amen. Look at Enoch. He couldn't have been sick because he walked with God. You don't walk with God as a sick person. 
When you're sick, you stay home and you can't walk with nobody. But I'm bump. I guess I have to do my own drum beat. I don't know what y'all. I don't want to come to Detroit no more. I don't know what I'm gonna come up here for. Come up here and all this deadness and carrying on and praise the Lord. That's right. Help y'all. Help y'all. <laughs> but those people didn't know sickness. Amen. As long as they walked with God and they lived for God, they, you know, they, they lived as long as they were obedient. Whatever God told them, obedience was always the criteria for a good life. Amen. Period. Whatever the knowledge of God was, they obeyed it. Before, before the Abrahamic covenant came through, there was obedience to God because Abraham obeyed God. He didn't have anything written down. There was no commandments. There was no rules. There was no... Huh? He was learning rules as he walked with God. So you obey God according to what you know. So he didn't. they didn't have the tablets of stone. That was to come later. But when that came, that became their law. But until God took Moses up to Mount Sinai, they had simple obedience to the voice of God, to what they knew of God to be. So when Abraham met God, God told him to get away from where you are. I'm going to bless you. So this is simple obedience, folks. This is what we live in now. Simple obedience to God's standards. What does he have written in his word? Be ye holy because I'm holy. Amen? Learn, Listen to my word. Obey my word every day so you can walk in my word. Not just so you could quote the word or go in the Bible and say, Oh, I read my 15 minutes today. I'm cool. Huh? You're, you're to obey that word. He says so that you can observe and do all that's written in the law. Then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. You don't prosper without obeying and doing the word. Are you kidding me? There are many people out there that's reading the word, getting tapes, getting everybody's prosperity message, getting this, getting that, and then get up and go do what they used to do. Huh? They just lust and envy, lust and envy, lust and envy. James said that. Amen. He was especially talking to hearers who don't do. You got to do the word. God says, keep your heart right and pure before him. That means, that means you. Huh? He wants that thing done. Why? Because he wants people just like him. Everybody wants their kids to look like them. You may not just confess it, but you be looking at them. I wonder who they look like. See, when they bed, they look like who they look like. Look like your daddy. Look like your mama. Huh? When they good, you just smile. You think they look just like me. Huh? I know that's right. Baby. Everybody does that. God wants that same honor. He wants his kids to look like him, act like him, talk like him, obey him. Humble themselves to him. Do everything as unto him. Amen. Unto the Lord. You, you got to keep in mind God's covenant at all times. You can't be a drop in and a drop out. You understand what I'm saying? He's looking for consistent. God is consistent. 
He wants us to be consistent in what we do that's patterned after him. Amen. Walking in love, loving people, giving, sharing, be considerate, being all those things. See, I made up my mind a long time ago. I was not going to shortchange myself of anything that God had for me. You got to make a promise. You got to make a vow to yourself. Amen. And when you don't do it, let your conscience bug you until you do it. That's how you live for God. You're not sitting up here looking for stuff to do in your idle time because you ain't got nothing to do. You got plenty to do. God's always up to something. Amen. There's plenty of people, poor people, who could lose your use your leftovers. There are people who could could benefit from you doing simple things. It's like when going through my house, I could have got a dumpster and backed it up there, four dumpsters every day, and just threw stuff out. Amen. But I knew better. I knew a long time ago my vow, God, if there's something decent here that I can give to somebody to bless them with, show me so I can get it. I did as many trips to the to the Salvation Army as it took to the Goodwill to get things into the hands of people that needed them. Amen. This is what this is how you live. You do it all the time. You just do it sometimes. And don't wait until that stuff wears out. You know, some of the stuff I had to repent over. You know, God, this stuff is rusted now. It's worn out now. You know, you you need constant uh, consideration of the things that God has. Amen. You know, the, God would tell Israel, he says, I want you to bless the stranger and the foreigner. Why? Because you were once in their shoes. So a lot of difficulty we go through. Is preparation, and then when we have, God judges us according to what we went through that he delivered us from, that we're willing to spare somebody of that difficulty. See, you have no heart if you go through difficult times and you snub your nose at people who are, well, they just don't know how to manage their money. But they just don't do this right, but they don't do that right. Well, that's probably true. You was probably just like them at one time, but you don't want that to touch you. I feel you. Huh? Or not? You understand what I'm saying? But, but at least let God touch your heart for people so that you can do things that God would, God would look at you and say, I'm delighting in. See, that, that means everything. See, this is everything. Does he delight in you or doesn't he? You gotta know that. Am I doing something to make him delight in me? You tell me. Huh? When was the last time you considered somebody else? Hold them in higher esteem than yourself. Amen? See, I look on Facebook and I see everybody's posts. They out having dinner and having this and having that. You know, in some of these places, the tab is like, it's above their their pay grade. You understand what I'm saying? They, they're, we're, we're God's people and we're living fabulously and sumptuously. You better make sure somebody, you've considered somebody who doesn't have. I don't care if you gotta get on the phone and call somebody. I don't care if you got to go dig somebody up. You find out where the need is because that's where God wants his people to operate. If we can go out and witness to people and share Christ, what kind of kingdom you inviting them into? 
Amen. A kingdom of greedy people, lustful people, scavengers. Huh? Prideful people? Are we inviting them into a kingdom of holy people who obey the Father and are blessed of God? Don't let a day go by without you doing these things. There are things that I do that I'm, I'm thinking of God. I say, oh God, here I go again. You know, let them receive. You understand? Let, let, let it be received. You know, because you know you're crossing a line over into persecution land. Where the enemy will try and talk you and anything he's willing to look stupid to talk you out of is worth doing. And doing it loud and doing it bold and doing it over time and doing it over and over and make it a habit, make it a policy, make it a priority. Amen. See, this is where your healing's gonna come from. I mean, and I'm all for, I love the word. I, 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 I'm always, endeavoring to give it more time and more energy. But we got to live this thing out too, folks. There's righteous activities that God's people need to get involved in on an everyday basis. Every day, see what you can do for somebody. I'm not talking about people in your little circle where you can get something back from them. I'm talking about dangerous situations outside of your circle. Amen. And and go plant seed over in in in, in weeds or in or in uh, dry land, you know that kind of thing. And so go where somebody else isn't, amen. And do those things that that need to be done. So God wants us to emulate Him. He loves everybody. He wants us to love everybody and show it, amen. You got to show it, amen. You'll get persecuted for it. Somebody's always going to have something negative to say when you obey God. You gonna get it, Amen. You just, you just, just face it. But the love of God will help you to get through it, Amen. He'll help you to overcome it, Amen. Because love never fails; it overcomes everything, every obstacle in front of it. So Jesus settled the issue of us going astray, Amen. With His blood, with His atoning blood. So, so we are brought. We're brought close to God again. Instead of being off there by ourselves, living in sin, wondering what God thought about us, hoping he don't catch up with us, hoping he don't catch us doing this and catch us doing that. Now the Bible says we are brought nigh by the blood of his cross. How? Because he took all of that punishment so we don't have to take it. Our lives up until Calvary deserve punishment. In fact, deserved hell. But we've been spared. Why? Because he loved us and he took it upon himself. So we are healed by what he took on his body. Men, stripes were, were, um, given as punishment. You'll find that in some of the, uh, Old Testament, uh, laws. Where if a person stole something, they were to give it back. And then there's some laws that when they were broken, you were commanded to be beaten. Amen. You were. And so that was part of, that's why it says the chastisement of his peace. God is mad with people who steal. He's mad with people who lie. He's mad with people who murder. You understand that? Why? They broke his law. Somebody came and broke into your house and stole your stuff. You'd be mad too. So 
so God says, instead of me, me making you be beaten for that, I beat my son so that you could now have a sense of well-being. When it says the chastisement of my peace was laid on him. When you receive the atonement, when you receive forgiveness from God, when you receive Christ in your heart, you should have peace and a sense of well-being. That means you're not looking to God to bring any bad news. You're not wondering why your answer is taking so long and what you did wrong. You have peace and you have a sense of well-being at all times. Why? Because that has been removed from you. What was laid on him has been removed from you. Amen? When, when under the, the Jewish law, you were not allowed to beat a person more than 39 stripes. That's, that's Bible. I should find that again. I always say I'm going to find that. I'm just assuming everybody knows. But, but the, the, the other truth is that there are 39, more than 39 diseases, but 39 categories of diseases known to man. And then there's the other category is what, what diseases that are not yet known. Future diseases. Like Dorona. Jesus bore stripes for that too. A mask is not a stripe. How far from it? Them dirty little things and all moist and nasty and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, sometimes you think about that. And I'm thinking, I said, these people are medical, medically trained people. You know, I haven't done any nursing work in years, but even as a nurse, my nurse devil response is, ew, get that thing out of here. If you were working in surgery and and you started breathing, your mask got damp from, from your breath, they make you take it off, put another one on. Amen. The people that, you know, you had people in there that, that would do those things, but if it, anything got contaminated, you can call for somebody and they take it off you and give you another one. Amen. While you remain sterile, you remain clean. I mean, they're serious about this keeping people clean and hot or should be. I've never seen such sloppiness. I'd be wanting to write a letter to somebody, but I think, well, God, I'm going to pray. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Well, little nasty little things people keep whipping out of there. And come on now. It's never helped anybody. It might help the people from getting, you know, a certain level of disease, but stuff can still come through that thing. Don't, don't get, don't get excited about that mask. Yeah, you got people with slogans on them and got diamonds on them. And I, I said, they're just making a mockery out of that whole thing. Huh? You know, I worked in sterile operation environments for, for a number of years and we didn't get excited about that. It was just part of the uniform. You know, you wore it to protect the patient. Amen. Come on, y'all. This is getting silly now. It really is. It really is. So God is not interested in punishing us anymore. Amen. He really isn't. He punished the one that could handle it. 
You can't handle it. Your stripes don't mean nothing. You understand what I'm saying? You know, we, we, we go through a little bit of discomfort. We think, well, you know, I'm, I'm just suffering here. And you know, well, God, when you're done with me, you were done with you all along. Ah, with your craziness. Go get in your word. Amen. And quit saying crazy stuff like that. But there was a limit to how much you were allowed to beat somebody. Huh? 39 stripes. Not 40. 39. At the 40th stripe, that was you and not God. So you began to add humiliation to that person's punishment. And that was not allowed. You were not allowed to humiliate a person. I'm going to say it again. Because somebody said or did wrong, we're not allowed to humiliate them. See, we give more tongue lashings to people because we mad at them. Well, let me sit down here for a minute. I'll, I'll give my midget, my midget chair again. But, but we're not allowed to humiliate people because they do wrong. Now you may think that's gonna enlighten them or push them or cause them to be, but he does. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Huh? Now see, religious people get upset with that because they don't like that kind of thinking. You mean if I'm good to somebody, they'll quit doing me wrong? Um, I don't know about doing you wrong. Pastor Burr, <laughs> why you sneak that in there? See, when it's all about us, we ain't going to never get nowhere in God. And God knows you're not going to keep up doing good for people whether they do you right or not. You're going to do it according to your mood. If you're in a good mood, you treat people. you're going to be the same you you always are. Huh? So he wants us to understand once and for all is not about us all the time. Please, please, please. See, that's what we're scared of. Well, see, if I just go go home and cook a random apple pie for my husband, he going to be wanting them random apple pies all the time. And uh, Rama, I'm not going to spoil him with all them random apple pies all the time. Well, yeah, because they random. He don't know when they coming and when they going to stop. Oh, oh, oh. See, a giver doesn't measure what they give. What's the Bible standard? Good measure. Press down, shaking together, running over. See, when we're getting it, we like that. But when we have to give it, we don't like that so much. Why I gotta give so much? God, why you measuring what I do so much all the time? Cause you always in my face complaining about that brother. Or sister. Huh? 
Is it true? Is it true? Huh? So it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. That's what led you to want to serve God. You didn't want to serve God that was mean to you all the time. Made demands on you all the time. Critical of you all the time. You never could do anything right. Amen? Amen. So, so we all want to be loved. We all want to be built up by love. Love builds us up. It doesn't tear us down. Amen. And, and it's expensive to give sometimes. You got me? It's very expensive to give because you'll have to be a long suffering person to be able to give the love of God. You gotta be a person that wants to share even to your own hurt. Amen. And so that's what God's looking for us to do. Continually. Nonstop. Without complaint. Amen. He loves a cheerful giver. Why do you think that scripture is in the Bible? <laughs> you know we'd be crabbing. Huh? This is a take the crabby out of you. Amen. Be a cheerful giver. Amen. So we are healed by his stripes. Our stripes mean nothing. How much you suffer, how much you think you're doing without, how much you just keep whipping yourself like that. It means nothing to God. Amen. Because we're not an acceptable sacrifice anyway. Only Jesus was. So it has to be a sinless sacrifice. And then we take advantage of what he did for us. Amen. Just take your blessing and run. Amen. Run like the thief that you are. (laughs) Amen. Amen. He is our substitute in sickness, poverty, and death. He took our place. So he heals us out of his goodness, not out of who we are. Amen. Because we're going to sin. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to be out of sorts. We're going to err. But he will forgive us and put us back under the power of his blood covenant so that we can receive all things that pertain to life and to godliness. What is a stripe? A stripe really means to bruise someone, to hurt them, to give a visible beating to. And that was done to Jesus so that we could feel peaceful toward God. There's something about knowing that he took all punishment that gives us, wow, I can breathe now. I don't have to look and and be fearful. See, what God doesn't want is for us to obey him, fearful that the other shoe is going to drop. Or fearful of a worst case scenario. Or fearful of the curse. Or fearful of something happening to us. That was done during the old covenant. And it didn't work for them. They still disobeyed God. So God knows it doesn't work. It just is to teach us his ways. What does he think about sin? He hates it. And to prove that he levied punishment for it. That's as far as that's supposed to take us. Just teach us right from wrong. So that when we begin to love God, we'll appreciate obeying him and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Amen. So we we must believe in the power of his blood to atone for everything that we need in this life. Amen. There's nothing left for you to do but believe. 
We are free from disease. And you also, because you're free from disease, you have the will not to accept disease when you believe God. See? You have the will to refuse it. You have the will not to accept it. I don't care what the... um You ever realize sometimes how simple life would be if we didn't have um, statistics, studies, data, information. If all you ever had was the word, how simple life would be. You wouldn't have to fight much of anything. Just fight your mind, getting in unbelief and feeling like you don't deserve to be forgiven or whatever it is. You'd only have to fight what comes to your mind naturally. Now we got to fight all these other statistics and data, you know. Uh, if, if you're in a certain age group, oh, you got to be careful. If you forget uh, where you put your car keys. See, young people forget that all the time. Huh? Am I telling the truth? And, and see, once, if you get over 60 or 70, right, 60 or 70, oh, early Alzheimer's, you know, one of the symptoms of that is that your Parkinson's is coming at you right now, full force. Huh? So now we got all this so-called helpful scientific information. So all the more reason to pour the word more into yourself. Decomplicate your life by a constant feeding on the word. you got to feed on it even more now. Amen. Because there's so much evidence uh, to the contrary. Uh, you know, oh, yeah, African-American, overweight, high blood pressure, diabetes. Uh, no, 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 and no. Amen. You're going to say no to stuff. Why are you going to let the devil put disease back on you when Jesus paid for it already? It's either paid for or it's not. You either believe the word or you don't. The atonement means full payment. It's not a down payment. It's not a partial. It's full payment. So Jesus made full full payment for everything we need, for our sin, for our sickness. So there's nothing for us to do but believe and receive the atonement. Romans 5 talks about that. I'm just going to read this for you since I have it sitting here in the corner of my my notes. See what it says about it in the book of Romans. In verse 8, for God commends or imparts his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You were his enemy and he sacrificed his life for you. You know, we just like being around people that treat us good. You understand what I'm saying? We see enemies, we won't fight back, we'll talk back. Want to put them down, treat them wrong, avoid them. While we were yet sinners, he gave his life for us in our place. He took the death that we deserved. Much more than being now justified by his blood. If you believe and accept the fact that Jesus died for your sins, 
you are justified. In other words, you are judged righteous to receive everything and every blessing that he has for you. So he says he died for us. Amen. So now, if we were at our worst, he gave us his best. Now that we've received his best, what do you think he's going to do for us? Put us down again? I don't think so. He's not going to condemn us again. He's not going to give us responsibility for our sins again. So much more than now being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. That's not just eternal wrath, but that's a mean boss that wants to get in your face every time you come on the job. Huh? You know how them vipers are? Them pit bulls? Huh? You see them be, they got on a choke chain until you walk in the door and then all of a sudden they break the chain and get loosed on you. You're saved from that. All you got to do is say, God, can you do something with this person? I don't know what you're going to do, but you say I'm saved from wrath through your blood. And your blood cannot lie. It's been shed already. Amen. And it speaks mercy in my life. Amen. He says, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled. In other words, we received zero debt against God. While we were his enemies, he paid all our debts off. We were reconciled by God, by the death of his son, much more, much more, much more. See, this life is much more than the salvation you got when you got born again. If you haven't received the much more yet, you better check into what else you got coming to you. you know, a lot of people just, you know, I'm saved. They have the salvation only mentality. They can be praying in tongues. They can be spirit filled. But they'll just, you get close to getting into the deeper things of God. When I say deeper, I mean beyond your salvation. What what your initial born again experience buys for you, you want to get deeper into the covenant of God. Amen. Get into healing. Get into the believer's ministry. Get into laying hands on sick people and seeing them recover. Get into that. You want to get into those things. Amen. He says, and much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So that Zoe of God that lives inside of you, after you're reconciled, saves you over and over and over again. Saves you from trouble, saves you from loneliness, saves you from self-pity, saves you from bereavement, saves you from a lot of different things that the enemy wants to put on you and put in your life. That life of Christ that dwells in you saves you over and over and over again. Amen? So we need to constantly draw from that life. Feed yourself the word. Feed your spirit man the word. Amen? And it says, and not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. You've received the atonement. Amen? You have received the atonement. What is the atonement? It's the the full payment. 
You can't ask God for anything and doubt that it's already given to you because the full payment's been made for it. Come on now. What you want? Can you believe God for it? Did you see it in the word? Can you believe God for it? Amen? Is it something that he's put before you? He sets a table for us, remember? He sets your food out every day. Amen? What do I need today? Instead of telling God what you want all the time, ask him, what do you need today? God, what do I need today? Amen? Just just deliver. I believe in you to deliver to me everything that I need today. Amen? That pertains to life and godliness. I don't want to miss anything good you have slated for me, Lord. I don't want to miss one good thing. So when you've received the atonement, you've received full payment for everything. There's nothing lacking. There's nothing yet you need to do to prove to God how much you love him. He knows better. He know you're going to do it one time and complain. Huh? Because the minute he tells you to go over to that neighbor that you don't like and they don't like you, huh? Take him some dressing. God, I don't know how to make no dressing. Well, you better get a recipe out of something because you got to cook some today. Huh? <laughs> so there's nothing left to do after full payment's been made, but believe the payment's been made. Amen? So, and only believe and not doubt. That's what God tells us to do. Only believe and not doubt. So you believe you're healed because you believe by his stripes you are healed. Himself took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses. He carried sickness. He carried it. So you don't have to carry it in your body. You don't have to be sick one day. Amen. If you'll believe it. You know, a lot of times people say, well, it's normal. No, it's not. Tell me what's normal. I'm telling you what's normal. It's not normal to be sick. He didn't create our bodies to carry sickness. He created Jesus' body to take sickness and take it away from us. So we can't find it anymore. Amen. Quit looking for symptoms and look for, for you know, for uh, health. You know, people gotten in trouble running back to the doctor over and over and over again till they found something. You know, sometimes you can be on the verge of, of you know, you can be teetering. You know what I mean? Belief and not belief. Sometimes you filled your mind with nonsense, you know, statistics, data. What this means and what that means. You fill your mind with that stuff. It's going to start to bear fruit sometimes. And there are times when, when, when God will let you go to the doctor and they can't find it. That's a warning. Go home and get in your word. Quit running back, making them find something. Well, I don't know why they can't find nothing. I still got this. Are you healed or aren't you healed? See, people down the road, once they understand how to fight sickness, will realize if I had jumped on the word with this when it was minor things, instead of insisting to go down the, that's all you're doing, you're insisting to go down the natural road. I'm going to say it again, you're insisting to go down the natural road. 
I was, I was a, our little, we had a, um, we were in a building, our landlord, our building, we were on Topher, a uh, real sweet man, Church of God in Christ, pastor. His mother was 93 years old and still coming to church every Sunday. Amen. I used to like to visit with her and, and, you know, I would see her. They would be sitting back in a little, you know, reception area in the back of the church after service. And I would, they had big glass doors back there and I'd go past the glass door. And if she caught my eye, I'd wave at her. She'd say, and so we would have a group hug, she and the other ladies at her table. She said, oh, baby, I just like that anointing. I like that anointing. And, and we would just praise God and have a good time and worship the Lord a bit. It was just nice fellowship. You know, some people know what fellowship is. Some people don't, but, but, but they did. And so it was just good to share with them and to be blessed by that and, <clears throat> All of that. Well, her son was missing from church for about two or three weeks, and I asked, "Well, how's Pastor doing?" Good, sis, pray for him, sis, because you know he he needs prayer now. He needs prayer. He's in the hospital, and you know to run a test and everything. So he next time I saw him, he was out of the hospital. I said, "Well, how did it go?" I said, "What did did they find anything?" Can't find a thing, sis. Can't find a thing. I said, "Cause you're healed, brother." And he would look away and he'd think about it and it just kept, he just stayed a little puzzled about it. But even being puzzled, God kept that man well. You understand? Longevity was his inheritance. A life healthy worth living was his inheritance, folks. And, 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 and not to settle for less. But even though you can go being suspicious and trying to find something, God in his mercy will hide it from you. Amen. He'll keep it away. Why? Because it's not there anymore. It has been taken. Himself took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses. God believes it. Why don't you? Amen. But see, we insist on finding something. We just insist on it. There's nothing to find. When when you, they can't find anything, even more more reason to run to God. You don't run away from God. You run toward Him. God, you, they don't find anything. What does that mean? That means you're healed. Stay on the track of your healing, and it will manifest totally. And those symptoms will finally go and leave you alone. But you got some warfare to do. And if people would be honest, they realize I've been sitting up looking at WebMD. I've been watching Oprah Winfrey. I've been watching all these these shows and carnality. I ain't been in my word like I should be, you know, for my health. And sometimes God sets up an early warning system for us. He warns us early with symptoms. Now take care of this on the symptom level. And don't let it manifest into disease. Don't work that up in your mind and insist on them finding something. Nothing but fear drives people to that. You know, they're afraid that what's going to happen to me? Well, nothing's going to happen to you. You're healed already. If you just accept that, why can't you look at that? Amen. Why can't you meditate on that? You always got to meditate. God, I'm going to find something and, and, you know, I'm, I'm heavily insured. Yeah, I am too. Amen. I'm insured by stripes. That's very heavily insured. Amen. That's the most expensive insurance there is. Got that good insurance. 
<laughs> Galatians, Galatians 5. Right. You know, hey, there's some things in Sean's that natural insurance ain't going to take care of everything. Uh, them doctors of the one, the ones who are good at blowing through your money, they blow through that insurance so fast. Then you looking up and you out of it and they bounce you out of that hospital sick or not. Amen. Amen. Galatians five. Um, I think it's, where is it? Three or two? Uh, or is it Galatians three? Lord have mercy, I wrote it down wrong. <clears throat> yep, <Yeah. clears throat> 3.13. It says, Christ has redeemed us, not just one person. So if one person's redeemed, we're all redeemed. He has purchased us out. Of the curse of the law. When you have been bought and you have been purchased in order for you to, if you're redeemed from the curse, in order for the curse to be put back on you, when you've been purchased out, somebody's got to come and pay more than what the one who purchased you has paid. In order for you to be cursed again. Somebody's got to pay a higher price than Jesus paid for you to get sickness back on you, to get poverty back on you, to get curses back on you. Somebody's got to come and pay a higher price for your soul. Huh? They got to outbid God for you. Huh? So why are we accepting this? Why are we just, you know, rolling over and carrying on? No, he redeemed us. He purchased us out of that power. Amen. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He was made a curse for us because it's written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. He hung on that cross for us. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles Through Jesus Christ. So Jesus was Abraham's heir. In order for a will to be enforced, there must of necessity be the, what, death of the testator. So in order for us to receive the last will and testament of the Lord Jesus Christ, he has to die to leave it to us. But then guess what? He rose again. So we can't mess it up. Huh? It's like some of these people like, um, oh, I don't know, the Rockefellers and some of these really, really wealthy families are probably wondering, boy, what would grandpa do? You know, now that they've inherited family business, they're, you know, they're running out of ideas. You know, technology is changing. Shareholders are breathing down their necks. They're not doing as well. I wonder what grand boy if grandpa was only alive to help me out of this. Well, Jesus is alive to help us out of every dilemma that we get. If you if you feel your healing is coming slow or you feel like you're getting too much doubt, he's alive to help you out of that dilemma of doubt and unbelief. Amen. And carry you over. 
He has died to leave it to you, but he also is raised up to help enforce it for you, to teach you how to live a covenant life before Almighty God. Amen? How to teach you to walk holy, how to walk with you and lead you and guide you in the way that you should go. So you've got the best of everything here. You've got somebody who died and left you a will of promises, amen, where you can appropriate them with your own faith. You don't have to wait for anybody to tell you it's okay to have this and okay to have that. Just whatever your faith is telling you to do, amen. This is how we receive from God. And so he has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us because it was demonstrated that he hung on a tree in our place. Amen. Now the Bible says that the lamb was slain from the foundation of the earth. But the first covenant had a curse on it. Till he hung on the tree. And that redeemed us from the curse. So even though he was slain from the foundation of the earth, he still had to walk through everything he walked through for us to receive the new covenant. Amen. The the break-proof covenant. Amen. The curse-proof covenant. The one that we live in now that has all the promises guaranteed that they are yea and amen by us. We can say yes and amen to anything we see in this word that God speaks into our hearts. And then hide it in your heart. Amen. Uh, David said, your word I've hid in my heart, so I won't do what sin against you. And also I wouldn't leave my life in unbelief and doubt. Amen. That's sin too. Unbelief and doubt are probably some of the biggest sins that Christians get involved in. Because we get enough of the word, I think, to get basically what we need out of life. But we don't ever get enough for that overflow. For that abundance, for that real breakthrough that God wants to give us. So I believe these things. That's why I'm healed. I believe I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. There is no power to put the curse back on me. Amen. There is no power that can put the curse back on me. Amen. We know that that uh, when I break the law. Now, when you break the law, you confess your sins. He's faithful and just. And your sin is forgiven if you confess. Confession acknowledges your wrong. You must acknowledge it, folks. You can't get, go around making excuses and trying to pretend like you do everything right. Hiding it from God. Got to have an answer for everything. You know, if somebody points out things that you're you're misbelieving or believing wrong, be thankful. Don't have something to say all the time and want to refute what they say. So excuses and explanations are a result of pride. Humility is what God's looking for. He's looking for a meek and humble heart all the time. Not just when you want something or when you feel like you're backed against a wall, then you confess. You need to confess all the time. God, I really need you today. I'm up against some stuff today. There's some people I don't want to see. I don't want to talk to. I don't want to acknowledge them. I don't like them. Amen. And and I need your help. Tell me seriously. Life is like that. I don't know where y'all live, but that's where I live. Amen. In in constant understanding of my limitations. 
So, but pride will hold sin in and make excuses and explanations for why you do stuff you do. And God's not interested. He's not interested in explanations. Do you know God don't have to understand you and your faults? And sometimes people act like that. Well, God, do you know God understands? Really? He's got something better for you than understanding. He's got victory for you. Over yourself and over the devil. Why you want understanding when you need victory? He's paid for victory. He ain't paid for your excuses and understanding. So God is not interested in punishing us. He's interested in us for conforming to the image of his son. That's what he's interested in. He forgives us so that he can go to work on us again and bring us up to a higher level. So we're not so sin prone, mistake prone, confusion prone. Amen. So we're totally forgiven. I am totally forgiven of my sins and that's why I know I'm healed. Amen. I am totally forgiven. I am forgiven for my faults and my iniquities. So God is interested in shaping me into his image of his son. Forgiveness helps us to pick up God's attitude and belief and receive the atonement. So forgiveness positions us so that God can continue the work of perfecting us. He's interested in empowering us. He's interested in perfecting us. He's interested in changing us to conform to the image of his son. He loves us, but he don't like us the way we are a lot of times. Amen? Because we fall short of his glory, which is where we supposed to live. What you don't like, you change. Huh? He doesn't pet our faults and sins and stuff. He changes them. Gets it out of your life. Removes it. It's a, it's a, a weight and an anchor. We're trying to run away a race here. All this stuff that so easily besets us becomes a weight and an anchor. Amen. We can help ourselves more by renewing our minds to who we really are. We're forgiven of our sins, faults, and iniquities. We're being shaped into the image of his glorious son. Amen. His son is not sick. He is healed and whole. He's glorified, as a matter of fact. The more of his glory you take on, the better your life is. Amen. We are in the resurrected Christ. We are healed and we are whole. And we will not accept symptoms or sickness. Amen. And we will not be distracted by symptoms. Amen. Because the devil can give you a bunch of them. Amen. You can you can get up out the bed and you got fifteen different places where you got pain. Huh? I guarantee you. If you don't walk out of that, just keep walking by faith and walk out of it and start to consider it and start to wonder what it's from. It's from you moving them bones after eight hours of I'll tell you what it's from. It's from life confronting death. Prophesied it in bones. 
prophesy to them joints and sinews. Tell them to come together. Loosen up. Muscles get strong because we got work to do today. We ain't going to sit around and do nothing today. So the resurrected Christ lives in us. He's invincible. You know, I see all these preachers preachers and oh you got greatness in you. I said, no, don't lie to them people like that. The only greatness in us is is Jesus. He need to say you got Jesus in you and he's great. See, we can lure people off of the truth of the gospel very, very easily. We keep using New Age terms and keep using these pump it up. Oh, you're royalty. Oh, my goodness. If I hear that one more time. Where does it say that in the Bible? Oh, you're talking about a scripture says you're a royal priesthood? You ain't no king and no queen. You are a royal priesthood. Amen. The noun is priest. See, royal is just an adjective to express what type of priest you are. You need to find out what kind of priest you are. Huh? Oh, priest. Oh, wait a minute. Priest. You mean like a Catholics? No, I mean like Jesus. Yeah, you know what? He's seated at the right hand of the Father and prays all the time for stupid stuff like that to come off his people. So he forever lives to do what? Work and make intercession for you. Well, yeah, I pray. Yeah, but you don't really like praying that much. Because you don't do it often enough to, to claim you like it. That's why he working all the time. But he's the king of kings. That he's the lord of lords. Huh? He's true royalty. Amen? We're just his servants. So we have authority to rule and reign like kings, like kings and priests, similar to, but you're working down here. So take your tiara off, take your crown off, put on your do-rag, and put on some sandals. Right. Body like they don't like that now. I don't care what y'all don't like on Facebook. Stop the nonsense. Uh huh. God's trying to get some work done. His people then went off and found some some old moldy royal clothes. Uh huh. Huh? Who was it that found that goodly Babylonish garment and the earth swallowed him up? Hmm? Was it Abiram? Huh? It is family Korah. That's who it was. He thought he was cooler than Moses and stole some goodly Babylonish garments. Huh? Purples. Fine things. Finer than what he had. He thought he had fooled somebody. Took a step up. 
the earth opened up and swallowed him up. You know, there was a man that recently excavated and found that place where they found the bones of him, all of his children, his cattle, and clothing. Amen. It's real, folks. You know, do yourself a favor and forget about this world's goods. You know what I'm saying? Let them come to you at God's trust God to bring things to you. You know, we don't have to be in his face begging him for material things all the time. My goodness. Blessings are pursuing us all the time. We walk with God. They pursue us and overtake us. You know, I mean, God will put so much into our hands if we will just stay still and obey him and worship him. Quit running after. Quit being concerned about. Quit being scared of losing stuff. You understand what I'm saying? It's locked up in God for you. It's there for your use. Get used to it. Get it settled once and for all. Amen? And quit worrying about stuff. We got fear written all over us and trying to make people think we, you know, got it going on. Huh? A lot of people gotta, gotta claim royalty because they don't even feel average. Am I right? You know, we know some of these people. They're always talking about who don't like them, who don't do this, and who don't care about him. <laughs> Prince Charles ain't worried about who don't like him. Huh? That don't even cross his little mind. How much more so us? See, when you're dead, your life is hid with Christ in God. Nobody can find your life to dislike you or like you. Your life is hid. You don't have access to it anymore. You don't have the emotional feelings of, Oh, uh, <laughs> I don't know why they don't like me. Uh, you do know why they don't like you. It's either something you do or it's the God in you. Huh? Start showing more to God in you and it, it won't be you all the time. Amen? We're supposed to live like that. Putting Christ first. He has the preeminence in all things. Amen? He should be bigger in your life than you are. Much bigger. Amen? So, we are in the resurrected Christ. Our life is hid with Christ in God. The devil can't find us. Your mean auntie can't find you. Your sinning family can't find you. Your no good neighbors can't find you. Your creditors can't find you. Nobody can find you. Amen? So you're healed and whole. So that means you do not accept symptoms or sickness. I don't care if they close the lid on the coffin. You ain't sick. Don't you ever accept it. Amen? You submit to God, resist the devil, and you are free from all demonic power. The devil's running from you. Now, he'll stop every now and then and pick at you to see if he can get you off the track of, of where God has you. He'll throw some zingers at you, tell you some stuff. Amen. Why don't you just quit eating so much? You quit eating so much, you won't have all this problem and that problem. You know, we get more problems from a little bitty piece of food 
I mean, that's like the big devil in this day and age. Then you got all the new age people telling you that, well, now you just have to have this vegan. You, you've got to eat this way. You've got to eat healthy. Well, you know what? You may not agree with my eating habits, but I ain't fornicating. Did I say that? How? I hurt, I hurt myself. That one sneaked up on me and hit me on my head. I hurt myself. All these fornicators and liars gonna tell us how to live. Now I admit we ain't perfect in everything, but we working on it. Amen. We working on it. <laughs> We're not taking God's grace for granted. Amen. And we, we work our way into, into the, uh, the dietary catalog eventually anyway. But, but you don't start exalting something man made over something that God made. Come on now. You know, you bless your food and eat it, it's all good for you. Just don't eat as much of it as you want to sometimes. Everybody got fruit of self-control works all the time. Amen. If we let it work. <laughs> That's what I said. Self-control, where'd you come from? You don't even look like yourself the last time I saw you. Huh? <laughs> oh, y'all laugh. Good grief. No, it's not fatal. Amen. I don't think it, it's fatal if you make it that. Amen. Your faith will mess around. You mess around and quit living by faith. You'll get involved in all kinds of things. I've seen people that, that believed in the word and divine health and they get sick. And you know, you start noticing they're preaching. You know, they started preaching about different diets and avoiding this and avoiding that. Well, you're in contradiction to God's word. It says nothing is to be refused. If it's taken with thanksgiving in the word of prayer. So they let somebody come in and start telling them something else. See, people have all kinds of fears. When you get older, there's fears running everywhere. Your fear of getting sick. Your fear of getting, your fear of dying. Your fear of getting, uh, you know, uh, uh, debilitated. Winding up a vegetable and uh, somebody's going to have to take care of me. And I, you know, whatever. There's, and see, in a subtle way, people begin to succumb to those fears. And instead of standing pat on the word the way they always have, they start to sneak in and introduce other little things. You know, don't eat that because it's got this to it and that to it. You got to have your omegas and your, your alphas and your, your thetas and your gammas and your, you know, pretty soon you didn't poison yourself on something crazy, you know, uh, and or living off supplement pills for the rest of your life. Come on now. And so my, my thing is stay with the word. Amen. Just stay with the word and exercise. Let the yield to the fruit of self-control. Let it, let it tell you, don't have that again. You had it once today. Stop it. Amen. <laughs> and just, just live for God, but don't live in condemnation. Don't live in fear. Come out of that. Amen. Just come out of that. And so God will, will, will honor the word that he put in us. Exodus 15:26 tells us none of the diseases are for the righteous. Righteous people are not to accept 
disease. They're not to accept it. It's for unrighteous people, not for the righteous. I was reading a a testimony by a a prophet that I remember him years ago. He was from Romania. He, his, he, they had had an overthrow of the, the dictator Ceausescu in Romania during the time this man came over here. And God had given him a prophecy and a vision when he was yet in Romania. And he gave him a vision of the destruction of nuclear bombs being uh, levied in this nation, in this country. And he's not the only one that saw it. There's other ministers who saw this vision. But he said that even though it was levied and it began to burn certain cities in this nation, he said people who live close to God, the righteous, who live close to God, I'm talking about your personal relationship with him. I'm not talking about you trying to borrow something because so-and-so is your pastor. You go to this church or you go to that church or you're in this movement or that movement. I'm talking about righteous people who walk with Jesus. He said Psalm 91 came alive like never before. Now, we think we've seen it a thousand of all at your side. You've never seen that. But he said it came to life there. He said these people walked through fire and were not burned. He said people screamed and were burnt, sinners screamed and were burned up all around them. He said, but they walked through fire and did not get burned. He said, and they were the sons and daughters of God who lived for God, who they did not love their lives unto the death. You got me? You divorced yourself from the world and you began to live holy for God. And he took care of those people in that dark time. And he said, and he's not the only, several people that think just two that I know so far have seen that same vision. They said, I couldn't believe my eyes when God showed me that. He said, I saw whole families just walking down the street. They were oblivious to what was going on and they walked like normal. They were chatting with each other and talking with each other and people were dropping dead and burning and screaming all around them. But they the fourth man, there he is again. It's Jesus. When you live for him, I don't care what kind of fire there is. We got fourth man in the fire. Amen. And this is why you're not concerned about the things of this earth. Amen. Be concerned more about who you are in Christ, living for God. Amen. Being obedient and not taking any nonsense from the devil. You are received the atonement. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for your protection. Thank you, Lord, for understanding of who we are. We are healed because we believe. Amen. We believe your word. We've received the atonement. We are curse proof. We are damage proof. And we are faithless proof. We have faith. And we use our faith for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. And praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen, amen. If anybody needs prayer, come on up.